I'm reading from James 4, verse 13. See, it is hard to find, isn't it? Come now, you who say, today or tomorrow, we will go into such and such a town and spend a year there and trade and make a profit. Yet you do not know, yet you do not know what tomorrow will bring. What is your life? For you are a mist that appears for a little time and then vanishes. Instead, you ought to say, if the Lord wills, we will live and do this or that. As it is, you boast in your arrogance. All such boasting is evil. So whoever knows the right thing to do and fails to do it, for him, it is sin. Let's pray. God, may your your word grip our hearts this morning. Thank you for a time to uh, consider your word. Uh, But we just ask that our our hearts uh, might be quietened before your word. Uh, We're just aware of the the structure of this morning and uh, having... having, uh, our kids are with us and, and the work that it is to, um, to, to discipline and, and manage and proactively uh, lead our kids uh, and also aware of the distractions that exist around us. God, might you uh, grip our hearts with your word this morning as we spend a few minutes in it. Amen. We live in a, uh, we live in a self-centered society, don't we? A marketing, like the whole, the whole uh, principle of marketing is, is built on the concept of value. It's about creating value. So ideally, if someone <laughs> sees your product or your service as valuable, they'll, do, they'll spend whatever they can to get it. Like if you consider uh, a company like Apple, uh, people will willingly pay twice the cost uh, as any other sort of similar device uh, because they consider Apple to be very valuable. I gladly fall for this. Uh, our, our whole house is Apple products. Like it, it would be detestable to me to bring a Windows machine into our house. <laughs> I'd be like, could we just leave that at the door, please? Uh, it's, it's, there's a real sense of value in, uh, in uh, that, that company for me. Uh, and that's, if you think about marketing, uh, the goal of, of a marketer is to convince you that uh, what they have to offer is valuable, that, that your life would actually be somehow more complete uh, with it. Uh, and it's, and it's this, this concept of value. And, and really, at the center of value, it's about personal value. How will this benefit me? It's not about value for the greater good. Generally, there are some uh, non-profits that have a take on value in terms of uh, an outward value, but generally, it's an internal value. How will this benefit me? How will this make my life easier? How will uh, this, this become... Uh, a stepping stone that I can walk on to further my own career or my own personal development. It's all about uh, internal value or personal value. Not only do we live in a very self-centered culture, we, we ourselves are deeply self-centered. As, as people, we are deeply self-centered. Sin internally and culture externally teaches us to be self-confident to be strong-willed, to be independent, to fight for yourself. I don't know if you've ever had a... If you're anything like me, you've probably had this conversation where you're quick to uh, jokingly highlight your own efforts. This is me anytime my wife talks about fitness. 
Like, I'm just so quick to jokingly highlight my own efforts. I don't know if I'm just really insecure about my own fitness, but I'm just like, I, yesterday I did this. <laughs> Chloe was uh, kind of retelling me, retelling to me about some sort of uh, fitness effort that isn't a workout she was doing. And I was just so quick to throw in, oh, you should try this bike ride I did. Like, man, it was hard. Like, that'll get your legs hurting. And it's just like, what are you doing? Like, why would you say that? Because I'm really self-centered. And for some reason, I need to justify to my wife I work hard too, you know, like I, I'm there too. I haven't done it for three months, but you know, I do. And uh, it must just be that once every quarter, I just go out and do something tremendous so I can keep up my uh, little scorecard. But anyway, we're, we're very self-centered. Or perhaps you've seen a um, situation where, where to combat, uh, where people see that sort of self-centered uh, nature and they actually try and combat that with a false humility. It's like this, like this real kind of like, what are you doing? It's like, nah, no, 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 I'm not good. Like, it's, it's, it's just, it's nothing. Like, it's just a, like, I, I just uh, played a 15-minute uh, solo with John Mayer. On, like, it's, that doesn't, it's not even a thing. Like, just last weekend. It's like, I, I barely even play guitar. Like, what this? It's like, dude, like, that's false humility. Don't kid yourself. You're really good at guitar. Culture teaches us uh, this, this self-centered sort of orientation. Back yourself. Be sure of yourself. Always have a plan, a backup. This year I'm doing this. Stick to your guns. But the truth is that making much of ourselves isn't how we were made. That's not how we were made to work. Sin goes against the way we were made. Our culture goes against the way we were made. One of the ways that we make life about ourselves sometimes is, is our desire for control. The way we like to have control of things. I want things to go my way. I want to be in the center of things. I'm not just talking about like big picture, kind of like career or like big sort of big decisions. And, and like it's nice, obviously it's nice to have a stable job. Like I'm not saying that's a, a bad thing. It could be, uh, but I'm not saying that's necessarily a bad thing. But I'm talking about like if you've got kids, I'm talking about your kids disobeying you and the anger you feel because they are pushing outside of your control. It's like, oh, like, oh man, you are, you are pushing like all 99 of my buttons today, man. And I, I would like a bit of control here, so I'm about to get really angry. It's like, wow, is that like, hmm. Am I, is, am I actually trying to love my child or am I just being self-centered? Or the way, um, consider the way you communicate to others. And what it, what it uh, reflects about your own understanding of yourself. How often do you honestly tell someone, yeah, yeah, things are way out of my hands at the moment. You know, like, I, I, like just, they are way beyond me. Like, way out of my reach. I just, I got nothing. No one's doing that. Like, everyone's going, yeah, look, it's pretty hard at the moment, but I, yeah, I got, I got it covered. It's like, nah, we're good. Got, got, like, wait, yeah, I'll be fine. It's like, what do you mean, man? Like, it's like you've got like 3,000 loose cattle in your backyard and you reckon you've got this covered. Like they're not even cattle, they're all bulls. It's like they're raging all over the place. Ah, it's like I've got, I've got it covered. It's like things can be really bad, but still somehow we communicate that it's like, nah, it's, it's okay. Like we'll be okay. It's like, no, you won't. What, what, are you, what is this? What are you doing? Like what, what are you trying to do with this? And it's, you, you consider the way we communicate, even the way we kind of keep our defenses up, reflects that that's actually a self-centered action. Like, I'm trying to preserve my own reputation here. 
I'm trying to maintain control. So for some, somehow, maybe if I just talk about the way that I'm in control, maybe that'll just happen. So, no, that doesn't help at all. That's not changing anything. You're pretending like you've got everything in control. I, uh, I regularly just feel the tension to have a grip on things, right? Like, I don't know if, if you're like me, you feel that same tension. Like, there's this, like, I'm faced with a problem, and the first thing I ask myself, what are you going to do about it, Matt? Well, let's go, man. Like, fire up, just firing on all eight cylinders. Like, what are we going to do about it? Let's fix this. Let's go. Let's get back in control. Let's get on top of things, and let's, like, let's get out of here. And some of you probably aren't quite as determined, but I'm sure you face a similar tension when kind of trouble comes, it's like, I need to get a grip on this. We need to sort this out. We need to resolve this. Our desire for control reminds us how self-centered we are. But doesn't that just seem wrong? It's not the way we were created. This, this time of year, uh, January, uh, it's common that you might find yourself thinking about the year to come. And, and making plans and, and thinking about how you want things to go and what you want things to look like. You make a few resolutions or if you're all like any resolutions, you just decide on a few changes and uh, you make some plans uh, and then you kind of plan a few steps forward. Now, it's natural. When you have a bit of downtime, you've got a bit more space in your mind. So it makes sense that you're going to maybe plan a few things out. <laughs> so let's not all be completely against resolutions, right? Let's be pretty against them, but it makes sense. Look, if you've got a couple of weeks off, it makes sense you start thinking about a, a, a bigger picture and you kind of, look, let's just reassess a few things. Um, so it may, a lot of you probably find yourselves doing a little bit of that sort of thinking this time of year. And I, um, I, just, I asked myself a couple of weeks ago, how does the Christian approach this? How should the Christian approach this? What makes what the Christian does any different? Like, I'm often struck with this question in, in marriage, in parenting, in work. How is what I do any different? Because a lot of the time, the practices look quite similar. I show up, I work, I have lunch, I have a conversation, I have a chuckle with someone, you know, I go back to work. It's like, how is this any different? We discipline our children, other people discipline their children, you know, we, we plan... In January, other people do the same thing. Where is the difference? So I want to help you reconsider how you think about the year and the decisions and changes and plans that you are to make. James 4, verse 13. Come now, you who say, today or tomorrow we will go into such and such a town and spend a year there and trade and make a profit. Yet you do not know what tomorrow will bring. Notice this. These people that James is addressing, they're talking as if they're in charge of their lives. Right? Come now. We'll go here and we'll do this. And like, I've got a plan and this is what we're going to do. And it's like, th this is how this year is going to go. This is what we're doing. The question for... For us, in light of that, is what is the purpose behind your planning? Is it self-centered, like as if you were actually in charge? Or is it God-centered? Are you honoring yourself? Or are you honoring God? Your, your intention will be revealed. Either way. 
when your plans don't go as you thought and it all falls apart, what's going to be uncovered? It appears, if you look there, it appears the writer uses uncertainty to question motive. You do not know what tomorrow will bring. Isn't that like, that's like, that's a bit of like a stop and like, just whoa, like stop and check, right? Like you get the, the warning on the dash of your car and it's like a bit of like, okay, stop and check. Like that's what that is. You don't know what tomorrow is going to bring. Like there's that just a massive kind of curve of uncertainty that he just throws into that. Stop and think about it. You don't know what's going to happen. You don't have a grip on everything. It could all fall to, it, it could all fall to pieces this year. If your motive is honouring God, even should it fall apart, God will be honoured, won't he? Because man looks at the outside, but God looks at the heart, doesn't he? So if your motive is, I'm going to honour God this year, and I'm going to work hard, and it just goes to pieces, God will be honoured nonetheless, won't he? But if you're, if you're trying to honour yourself, and you're self-centred, then you, you know it's just going to be bad. You don't know what tomorrow will bring. Verse 14, What is your life? For you are a mist that appears for a little time, then vanishes. Need a little motivation for your resolutions this week? How about this? What is your life? Seriously, what is your life? Like You've you got some big plans. You know, you've got some, some pretty strong goals. You're like, yeah, we're going to take some ground this year. Just listen to James. What is your life? Just, just going, you know what? You're looking, like, you're looking a little bit like a light mist today. It's like, what a greeting. You come into the room, he's like, I could hardly see you. It's like, yeah, you are easily forgotten. How's that? How's that for uh, a little bit of motivation this morning? The writer almost, it, it kind of seems like he just pulls the thread and unravels everything with this statement. It, that, that is like, if we thought the last one was a stop and check, this is like a critical failure. <laughs> like, this is a massive, massive kind of warning that comes up and it's like, whoa. Okay, life is, isn't that long. Think about it carefully. Are you really happy going it on your own? Slogging it out for 80 years and then you're done. Like you think that's all there is? Like you almost get a glimpse of Ecclesiastes again here, don't you? Like what's your life, man? Like really, purpose, what are you doing? Yeah, so, so what is it? What is your life? Like ultimately, your life is a chance to give testament to God, right? Like he's going, don't take, don't take the starring role in the dropkick production that no one's going to. Like your chance, sorry, your life is a chance to take a, a small behind-the-scenes role in the eternal story of God. You were made for God. That is your life. You were made for God. That is your life. To serve Him, to love Him, to honor Him, to obey Him, to glorify Him. That is the purpose of your life this year. That is the plan that you should get excited about. It's, it's almost like you consider the sports team kind of sitting around the locker room and the coach kind of unpacks that one plan that just makes perfect sense. 
Everyone's just kind of going, what are we going to do? We've got these big obstacles and the coach is just like, all right, this is what we're doing. And everyone in the team is just going, you know that feeling and the response they hear it? They're just going, yes, that's it. Like, love it. So excited for it. I will spend myself for that. That just fits. It's perfect. That is what I'm talking about. You were made for God. That is the plan this year that you should get excited about. Glorifying God. Listen to uh, Luke 12, 13. This is a, uh, a referenced passage, quite a, a similar uh, message coming out of it. This is the parable of the rich fool. And he said to them, Take care and be on your guard against all covetousness, for one's life does not consist in the abundance of his possessions. And he told them a parable, saying, The land of a rich man produced plentifully. And he thought to himself, What shall I do? For I have nowhere to store my crops. Like, that's reasonable, right? I've got lots of crop and my barns aren't big enough. Like, it makes sense. Sure. What am I going to do? And he said, I will do this. I will tear down my barns and build larger ones. And there I will store all my grain and my goods. And I will say to my soul, Soul, you have ample goods laid up for many years. Relax. Eat. Drink. And be merry. But God said to him, Fool, this night your soul is required of you, and the things you have prepared, whose will they be? So is the one who lays up treasure for himself and is not rich toward God. Why was the rich man a fool? Now, isn't, isn't it wisdom to save up and store crops? Right? Like, isn't that how life works? You work hard so you can save money to relax and retire on? Like, you're just going, I'm seeing a lot of common sense in that, right? Like, I work really hard for 40 years, fill the bank, and it's just like, all right, just relax. Just take a chill pill. Just buy a caravan, and you're good. Like, Matt, are you, are you saying to do that would be foolish? I think the Bible is. Well, that's a little bit confronting. <laughs> Absolutely, the Bible's very confronting. Think about it. Who is this man primarily thinking about? Why is he a fool? He's a fool because he's thinking about himself. Listen to him talk to himself. Soul, you have ample good... Who is doing that? It's like the dude sitting behind his desk, leaning back on his chair, just checking his like, bank accounts going, Matt, it's looking good. You know what? Just, how about you just have the rest of the day off? You know what? Have the rest of the year off. You know what? Have the rest of your life off. Eat, drink, and be merry because you have got it covered. And he's only thinking about himself. <laughs> Who does his life center around? Himself. God is saying, listen to what God says to this man. Fool, this night your soul is required of you. And the things you've prepared, whose will they be? Just notice a little bit of sarcasm there. Like, are you hearing that? Where's all that going now that you're dead? Like what? Like I mean, like, bravo, you've done really well, but like you're gonna die tonight. What? Where's all that going? Just like pulling the rug out of this guy, right? Like this guy's tripping over, going, didn't think about that. Deer, deer in the headlights. And it's kind of like you really think that's the point? Like seriously, making a bit of money? Like you were selling yourself short big time. 
If you're only asking yourself this year, how can I get a better paying job? Or how can I chip in more to my, contri- my super contributions and make life a little more comfortable? Or how can we upsize our car and house this year because we've got that extra money to spend? If that's all you're asking yourself, you are selling yourself short. God is saying to you, don't waste your life. What a waste. You think, you think I called you to be comfortable? Matthew 16, 24, Then Jesus told his disciples, If anyone would come after me, let him deny himself and take up his cross and follow me. Whoever would save his life will lose it. But whoever loses his life for my sake will find it. Verse 15. Instead, you ought to say, if the Lord wills, we will live and do this or that. As it is, you boast, you boast in your arrogance. All such boasting is evil. Instead, isn't that powerful? Like, you just can't go past that. Instead, if the Lord wills, we will live. Like, consider that when you're planning this year, right? Like, if the Lord wills, if He wills, if God wills it, if He would have me last through today, I will head to work and diligently steward that opportunity. Faithfully persevere, boldly give testament to His grace, humbly submit to others. God is the final authority in your life. If he wills it, I will wake up this morning. If he wills it, my family will still be there when I come home. If he wills it, I will have a job at the end of this week. If he wills it, we will live. What a powerful reorientation of life, of your whole life. Don't be so sure of yourself. You are not the boss. Like you, you are not in control of your life. You don't have it all together. You don't have the final say. Let me just break the ice for you. Things are outside of your hands, right? So next time someone asks you, <laughs> yeah, there's a few things outside of my hands. Matt, Matt gave me permission to say that, all right? Things are well outside of your hands. Don't be so sure of yourself. I, uh, man, my kids, they are sure of themselves. <laughs> my, my son, uh, we're teaching him how to jump on a, oh no, sorry, we're teaching him how to use stairs. We, we live in a, a two-story house, so uh, he has to go, it's quite a set of stairs at the front and back. And uh, he is sure of himself. Like top stair, it's like deadpan looking straight ahead. It's like I'm not even, I don't even look down for this. I'm just looking straight ahead and I'm just walking. It's like, Oh, dude, like that's gonna, you are gonna hurt <laughs> quickly. It's like, do not be so sure of yourself, man. My, uh, my daughter on the, on the trampoline, uh, yesterday actually, we were, uh, she was jumping to me, so I'd stand beside the trampoline, she'd jump, she'd jump to my arms. She's like, Dad, I want you to go all the way over on the other side of the yard, <laughs> like 10 meters away. I'm like, honey, don't be so sure of you. Like, seriously, like, 
She's like, Dad, you stay there. She starts jumping on the other and starts running. I'm just, like, I'm just running toward her because you're going to break your leg. All right? Don't be so sure of yourself. But be sure of God. Be unshakably sure of God. God who upholds the universe by the word of his power. God who from him and to him and through him are all things. God who does not faint nor grow weary. God who marked off the heavens with a span, a span, a hand span. That's what a span is. Marked off the heavens. That'll do it. Yep, and that's enough. And we, we still can't find the end, right? God whose understanding and wisdom are unsearchable, whose thoughts toward us are precious and innumerable. God who poured out mercy on us through Jesus and his work on the cross. The whole story of the world and every person in it is a part of the story of God. In the beginning, God. He calls himself, I am. I am that I am. There is none like me. There is none that compares to me. I am the center of all things. The truth is we live in God's world for God's glory. I pray that that reorientates you this year. The Christian is radically committed to the glory of God and the hope of the gospel. This year, it's not about you. It's not about your plans. It's not about your goals, your life. I invite you again to consider how you might join in on the story of God this year. For whoever would save his life will lose it. But whoever loses his life for my sake will find it. God, what are you up to? How might you have me live this year? What would you have me do? I invite you to, to ask of God what He might want for you this year. Forget your life. Lose your life. Treasure self-forgetfulness. And God promises you that you will find it. What a sweet promise that is. He who loses his life for my sake will find it. Do you want to find true life this year? Then lose it. Lose your life. Uh, John Piper, uh, one of his uh, kind of most famous uh, sayings is that God is most glorified in us when we are most satisfied in Him. Consider that. Consider the, the joy of self-forgetfulness this year as you join in on the story of God. Let me, uh, let me pray. And we'll finish there and then I'll, I'll give a benediction. God, rather than asking that uh, we might be blessed uh, this morning, we recognize that in Christ we already have been blessed with every spiritual blessing. Uh, so we ask, God, that you, that you may be blessed through our efforts this year as we uh, consider 
uh, what it is that we might be doing and, and uh, the things that we'll undertake and the changes that we'll be making. May you be glorified. Might you be blessed through our lives this year. Let uh, our lives glorify you. Would you uh, gift us with self-forgetfulness? Would you, would you gift us with eyes to adore Christ, to treasure Christ above our own comfort, above our own priorities, above our own uh, plans, that we might see Christ as the, uh, the blazing center this year? Oh, the depths of the riches and wisdom and knowledge of God. How unsearchable are His judgments. And how inscrutable his ways. For who has known the mind of the Lord? Or who has been his counselor? Or who has given a gift to him that he might be repaid? For from him and to him and through him are all things. To him be glory forever. Amen.